Welcome in to another edition of the Wisports.net podcast. I'm Travis Wilson, general manager at Wisports.net and your host for the WSN podcast. Here we are, first week of October, gearing up for already some of the fall sports state tournaments to get underway. Girls Golf State Tournament set for Monday and Tuesday at University Ridge in Madison. Also means that many of the fall sports are winding down their regular season, getting ready for the postseason to begin over the next few weeks. In high school football, that means week eight action, second to last week, penultimate week of the regular season for high school football. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about playoffs. We're going to talk about the projected unofficial playoff field that we uh, did on Wisports.net this week, what that means, how the playoff system works a little bit better as well. We're also going to talk about the WIAA's playoff reveal show that was announced this week that I'll be a part of. And our first conversation, though, will be about a sport that isn't even a WIAA-sanctioned sport as of yet, and that is the sport of lacrosse, as we will be joined by Rick Diedrich, who covers and promotes high school lacrosse in Wisconsin on his uh, popular social media channels, to give us the rundown on where lacrosse is at right now, what the structure is, uh, the, the process that is being uh, conducted right now to uh, officially sanction lacrosse as a WIAA sport, an update on that, you know what that could mean for the sport of lacrosse, because it has been a topic of conversation for a while, you know, going back a number of years of 80s, just kind of bringing it up as a, an idea, and then most recently as a official proposal uh, initiated by some coaches and schools in the Classic 8 Conference, and now where there's an ad hoc committee studying the addition of lacrosse as a WIA sport uh, to to see if it's going to be an option. So we'll uh, we'll chat with Rick Diedrich uh, on that uh, coming up in just a few minutes. But again, um, a lot going on with uh, also kind of a busy changeover season in general for us here at Wisports.net as we wrap up fall sports. We're starting to get ready for the. Uh, winter sports seasons that are going to be coming up very, very soon. We're just a month away from the start of basketball practice, uh, practices. In fact, one month from tomorrow is the official uh, start of uh, practices for girls basketball. So it'll be here before you know it. But you know what? Let's help la- save lives on Wisconsin roads. The life you save might just be yours. Make the commitment to yourself and passengers that are with you by buckling up and putting putting the phone down every trip, every time. To find out more, take the pledge at wisconsindot.gov. Once again, a big thank you to the Wisconsin Department of Transportation for sponsoring our WSN podcast. So without, uh, without further ado, we'll have that conversation about football and football playoffs a little bit later. But right now, let's get to our pre-recorded conversation with Rick Diedrich from the uh, Wisconsin High School LAX social media channels. All right, and as promised on the podcast today, we're going to check in on a uh, an issue that has um, been going in the WIA for, for a little while now, almost a year or conversations that have, have occurred over a number of years, but that is the addition, the proposed addition of lacrosse as a WIAA officially sanctioned sport. Not at the finish line yet. Uh, there's still a little ways to go. They're still working out how to put together the season and the regulations and the rules before presenting a formal uh, proposal to the Board of Control for approval. But all indications are that it is going in the right direction and that high school uh, lacrosse will be a officially sanctioned WIAA sport for boys and girls uh, very soon. And uh, we're going to bring on a guest to talk a little bit more about the high school 
lacrosse scene here in Wisconsin right now. Rick Diedrich, who runs the Wisconsin High School Lacs social media accounts promoting and covering high school lacrosse in Wisconsin, joins us. Rick, appreciate you joining us to lend some uh, lend some ideas and uh, insight into high school lacrosse and the, the process that is going right now to see about getting that as a WI sport. So thank you. Thanks a lot, Travis, for having me. I'm glad to talk some lacrosse here. Well, before we get into that conversation about becoming a WI sanctioned sport and, and even what where lacrosse is right now, let's just talk a little bit about uh, you know what what your involvement is and kind of how you got involved in covering and promoting high school lacrosse and you know what you do uh, with that right now. So give us a little bit on your background and, and what you've been doing. Uh, started about seven years ago when my son first started playing and. Um, I got into coaching his youth team, was asked to help out and coach, and knew nothing about the game of lacrosse, um, like a lot of people throughout the state probably don't. But uh, I, the more I got involved in in the um, youth level, I, my passion for the game just grew, as does, did my son's. And, you know, it, it just kind of excelled from there. And when he got into high school, I kind of got thinking, you know, nobody's covering the game of lacrosse in Wisconsin. And he was a freshman in high school and then we were him and I were talking one morning and I said, you know what, let's start, I'm going to start a social media page and we'll kind of go from there. It took off on Instagram, um, started off pretty slow, but by midway through his freshman year, I had well over 500 followers and it kept growing from there. Um, it was just kind of a nice experience to see, you know, me reaching out to coaches. Um, I, I knew some, uh, parents and stuff throughout the area for my son playing club ball at the time. And it just kind of went on from there. So where are we at with high school lacrosse right now in terms of governing body, um, you know, roughly how many teams, where they're located, what is the the nature of high school lacrosse in Wisconsin right now? So the nature of lacrosse in Wisconsin, we have teams, we have one team up in uh, Hudson, Wisconsin, we have Superior and Lacrosse, and then most of the areas are mostly in the Bay Valley up near Green Bay, uh, Kimberly, um, and then you come down in Milwaukee where there's uh, the majority of the teams, and then Madison area as well. And roughly, how many teams are there at the high school level right now, boys and girls? Uh, boys and girls, boys, it's about forty-two. It varies year to year, and girls is about thirty-five, thirty-six. And has that number been increasing? Is there growth of number of teams at the high school level? To be honest, it's been pretty stagnant uh, at the boys' level for about the last 10 to 15 years. It's jumping between 40 and 45 teams. Um, Like, perfect example this year, uh, Pilwaukee was a first-year program last year at the varsity level. Now they're no longer. They're going to be co-oping with the Oconomowoc team. Um, And you know, it, it's kind of just one of those areas where I, I believe if the WIA gets involved, we can grow the game. And, and right now, where when when is the season for lacrosse? Or do boys and girls play at the same time, or do they have different seasons? Uh, they're both in the spring. Uh, they both will start up probably uh, the beginning to mid-March is the season when the season begins, you know, as far as practices begin. And it runs all the way until the end of school and even a little bit beyond that with the season, the state title games. 
We're talking with Rick Diedrich about the uh, possible implementation of high school lacrosse as a officially sanctioned WIAA sport. Um, what what goes into having or creating a lacrosse program? How how many athletes do you need to have? You know how how hard is it to get a program going? Where where does that come into play as far as getting new programs into high school lacrosse? So it, it basically all starts at the youth level, right? You get a youth level team, and then that, you know, as you go, you can get into the high school. Now, we're about 50-50 with club sport and school-sanctioned sports. Um, the club sports have kind of a a disadvantage for, you know, the the busing, the stuff like that. Um, it's getting It's getting more and more school-sponsored every year, so getting into the WI would be a big help for that. Well, let's talk a little bit about that process of becoming a WIAA sanctioned sport. If I remember correctly, there's been conversations and there's been mention of lacrosse for a number of years, going back 10 or 15 years even, of you know athletic directors at WIA area meetings standing up and saying, hey, what about lacrosse? And they're just didn't seem to be that the interest level from the schools at that time. But I, I think it was last year or, or maybe a year and a half or so ago, it was a, a group of schools kind of in that classic eight conference that really made it a push to become an officially sanctioned WIA sport. Is there any information or context you can add to, you know, the, the dynamics of why, schools or why the the lacrosse community wanted to become a WI sanctioned sport and kind of that, that start of that process. Yeah. I think it boils down to a couple things here, Travis is the growth of the game, right? So I was explaining earlier about how stagnant the teams are in that 40 to 45 range every year. We're not really growing. Um, The other big thing uh, is the difference between school sanction and, and club is the dollarage, right? So you, you'll you have like uh, some prairies uh, school sanction. They pay a $90 fee for their athletics, as where Verona is not. And you're looking at, for when my son played, it was $450 just to play lacrosse, right? Um, the So the clubs are, are at that disadvantage, right, of they have to raise the funds to get the buses, to get all, to get, you know, to where, what they need to be to compete. Uh, so again, we're, we're going through that process of lacrosse becoming an officially sanctioned sport. Um, where, where is that process at to, to your knowledge? You know, what are they talking about? What are maybe some of the holdups of, of, um, you know, why that hasn't come to a vote and is it a, a little bit of a foregone conclusion that it will become an officially WIA sanctioned sport? So basically what I'm hearing is um, the, the co-op thing has been an issue. How do you, how do you regulate the co-ops? Um, I, the rules and regulations part of it, I think, is pretty much taken care of. Um, but at the same time, I'm, I'm, that's about all I'm really hearing on it, Travis. So if there is any, if there is pushback within the lacrosse community itself, what what is the pushback um, to becoming sanctioned uh, by the WIAA from the lacrosse community itself, the coaches, the parents, the athletes, 
is there any of that and what are the reasons for that possibly yeah there's a few of them um i think the biggest one with the coaches would be the coaching contact with the kids you know because when wi wi has the rules of contact um lacrosse is very much of a club driven sport in the summer and fall and a lot of these high school coaches they do coach lacrosse they coach some of their kids they coach kids from other programs now will that the wia will that interfere i think there's a big fear of that in these coaches um not being able to you know coach their kids in the summer and fall i think that's one of the big hang-ups um what i'm hearing it's about 50 50 with parents some like it some don't maybe a little bit more 60 40 for wia sanctioning i've taken a couple polls actually on the instagram pages and it's the kids are all in for this they they want to play for their schools um, they want to be recognized by their peers in, in high school that it's a sanctioned sport in the WIA. We're continuing our conversation with Rick Diedrich, who has uh, done a great job over the last few years promoting and, and providing some coverage for high school lacrosse in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, you know, that that battle or that uh, dynamic of club sports and high school uh, sports is obviously one that goes well beyond the sport of lacrosse. It's almost every sport has that, um, you know, that, that issue of uh, high school versus club sports. Are there kids, or, or how many kids perhaps, play just club uh, lacrosse, not, not school-affiliated at all that are, you know, like an AAU type of program? How, how many that do just that compared to play as part of either a school-sanctioned or at least a community-based program? So, so basically what we have here is club versus high school, right? A lot of these kids just want to, they want to have that WI recognition to play with their, with their teams. They also play both club in the fall and summer. Um, it's, it's not really one or the other. Uh, most of these kids play year round if they can. How many lacrosse players just play lacrosse and how many of them are multi-sport athletes playing other sports, whether it's official WI sanctioned sports or otherwise, um, is does it seem like there's more specialization in lacrosse compared to other sports, or is it pretty similar to baseball, basketball, volleyball, etc.? Oh, it's very similar. I mean, you have perfect examples of, and and you've covered these two, uh, Wynn Stang out of McQuanago and and um, uh, Will, Will McDonald, McDonald out of Hudson. Yeah. yeah, Will Will McDonald out of Hudson. There's a couple of kids. There's a uh, a uh, couple of kids out of Middleton that play football and lacrosse. Uh, you know, there's hockey kids that play lacrosse. And hockey is actually a great fit for the – if the kid's looking to get off his skates for a little bit, lacrosse is the perfect perfect thing to, for him to come to do because he can keep his uh, stick skills, his anti coordination, you know, all intact in the off season. Well, you mentioned a couple of those standout players from Wisconsin, Winstang from Aguanago, who's one of the top – uh, running backs and, and players in the state for high school football. Will McDonald, who's a preferred walk-on commit to the Wisconsin football program. How common is it to have top-level lacrosse players from Wisconsin, kids that get those you know scholarship offers to play college lacrosse? How, how many how many do that? And are there any examples of you know kind of high-level lacrosse players that have come out out of Wisconsin over the years? Uh, Elijah Gash, perfect example. He's, he was a Bayport uh, product. He went to a smaller school and then transferred to Albany. 
uh, D1 school out there, which um, if any lacrosse kid knows, Elijah Gash is the real deal. He actually just signed a contract with the NLL, which is a box league. Um, you know, we got over the last uh, probably three or four years, I bet you we've had eight to ten kids go D1. Um, most of the kids go D2 or D3. I'd say that's probably about 80 to 90% of the kids go D3. Um, my kid involved in, in that as well, um, as well as, you know, just I think we had 60 commits last year just to play lacrosse in Wisconsin. And are any of those kids play? Yeah. Are any of those kids playing lacrosse in Wisconsin in college? Are there any college lacrosse programs here for them to play? Yeah, we got Concordia, Northland College, Concordia, um, Beloit, Carroll, MSOE. You know, there's there's uh, like five or six schools here in Wisconsin that they can go play in. And I'm in touch with some of those, you know, a few times a week, actually. We're continuing our conversation with Rick Diedrich talking about high school lacrosse in the state of Wisconsin and where it's been, where it might go. Um is there any indication in some of those discussions of of becoming sanctioned by the WIAA, either projections that maybe the WIAA has put out or just people in the lacrosse community talking, how big of a boost? Is there, you know, it, when, when lacrosse becomes a sport for the WIAA, the number of programs will increase by 10% in five years or 20%. Is there any idea on how big the sport will grow once it does become if it does become sanctioned by the WIAA uh, well looking at like our neighboring states of Michigan Illinois and Minnesota when they became state sanctioned by their uh, school or by their athletic um, state athletic associations they grew um, just about doubled Illinois just about doubled Michigan about doubled Minnesota's got Quite of a quite a big pickup of teams up there as well. So I think uh, it, if we can go by those indications, I think was I don't think Wisconsin will double. I just don't think we're big enough that. But if we can add, you know, half of that, I, I you know, I, I would love to see that, or even a quarter of that. I would love to see that for the growth of the game in this in this in this state. The uh, again very close to to getting an official proposal from the committee uh, for the WIAA to then have it as a vote item, as agenda item on the uh, WIAA Board of Control. Um, what's what's the indication that you've heard as far as timeline? You know, if I assume there has to be some kind of build up to adding lacrosse. Um, you know, is it a year after they vote it in that lacrosse becomes a sport? Is it a two or three year process? Is there an idea on kind of a timeline for next steps on this? Yeah, I'm actually hearing uh, the 23, 24 school year. Um, the one issue I, I think might snag that and push it back a year is schools have to have their budgets in, right? So with all the co-oping and everything and they have to get the co-ops approved. Um, but what I'm hearing right now is the 23, 24 season. Gotcha. So that, would be an aggressive timeline. It would be uh, obviously for next school year, which would be great to see if, if that is the case. Um, any any ideas, anything that you've heard in terms of, you know, where state tournament might be or, you know, how many of those programs may be coming over to being WIA sanctioned? Like in, in year one, are we going to have 42 boys teams and 35 girls teams or will some of them potentially stay 
as a non WI sanctioned club team or, um, you know, intramural type of program. I, I can see a few of them doing it. Um, I, I, I really don't want to name schools at all, but I can see a few of them staying back as far as the state tournament, that'll be determined by the WIA. Um, right now, we had it at Hart, or last year we had it at Hart Park in in Wauwatosa. There, the year before that was in Verona here. Um, so it, it's changed with the WLF. It's changed, but I, I would hope that the WIA would make it one site, uh, you know, year after year. So, who did win the high school state championships for lacrosse most recently, and who are some of the better programs over the years? So Oregon. Had, had a great season last year. They had one loss, and that was to Hudson during the regular season. Uh, the state championship game was a, a tremendous game. I believe it was it was 9-7 to seven or 8-6. to six. I, I don't have that final right off the top of my head. But th- those two programs last year were the top two best in the state. Um, two classic mashups during the season. Hudson came out on top the first one, and then um, Oregon came out on top in the in the state championship game. Uh, some of your better teams in the state, you're going to, Kettle Moraine has a great program. Uh, Middleton, Wanakee, just Wanakee's coming off a state title two years ago here in Verona against uh, a Hudson team. Again, they were back to back championship appearances. Uh, up in the up in the Bay Valley, you'll have Appleton. Well, Hudson's Hudson is in the Bay Valley as well. And Hudson's going to be one of those teams that you got to look for again because uh, the last two years, uh, they, They've been just rolling in the, in the uh, regular season, right? Um, I, I look for a KM in Middleton, Wanakee, and Hudson to probably be right around that Final Four team again. Uh, you can throw in a McWanico who last two years have really come on. Um, yeah, so th- those are some of the teams you're wa- you're going to watch out for this season. The the teams you mentioned, and it seems like a lot of the teams that, that are offering lacrosse right now, a lot of them are larger schools in kind of suburban settings. The Wanakees, the Brookfields, the Kettle Moraines, um, you know, those those kinds of schools. How does how does lacrosse go from a sport for the higher socioeconomic status suburban schools to more of a broad appeal or broad um, opportunity? around the state do you think i think we gotta we gotta keep doing what we're doing in promoting the game right um get these learn to play days go off to you know a school here or a middle school here a high school there and and get coaches and other people involved that from different programs to come up there and try a learn to play date a lot of these kids younger kids when they start it they they love it and they'll stick with it um, youth numbers are phenomenal um, in those areas that we just discussed. Uh, and, and that's where it all starts. So like Eau Claire, we'd, I'd love to see teams up in Eau Claire. We, we have no teams up there. Um, I'd, like, I'd, I'd really love it if we could get learn to play days at some of these schools and give these young kids a chance, you know, like from grade school to middle school and start youth programs up in those areas. So you're made the czar of high school lacrosse in the state of Wisconsin, and you have an opportunity to pitch to all of the other schools and all of the other athletes around the state that are not involved in high school lacrosse or not involved in lacrosse right now. What is your pitch to people to come into the game of lacrosse? What makes it fun, exciting, um, 
something that they should be trying out? Oh, it's the fastest game on two feet, right? Um, it's very fast-paced, energetic. Um, if you like hockey, you'll love you'll like lacrosse as well. Uh, just different, different. You know, obviously, two different sports. They're very similar, and there's a lot of basketball similarities as well. You know, having a pick and rolling from the pick, go to the net. It, it's just a very family, and families are. I've met so many people along this journey of these last seven years that they've they've become family, and lacrosse is truly a family sport. Well, that's good stuff, Rick. We definitely appreciate uh, the updates. We will continue to be following the uh, the process of lacrosse becoming a WIA officially sanctioned sport. Again, we we'd anticipated maybe we would have had a, a proposal, official proposal by now. Hopefully, in the next few months, we'll have that, and uh, we can. Maybe talk again about, you know, the actual official sanctioning and the official launch of high school lacrosse. So, Rick, definitely appreciate you adding your expertise on this. Uh, We will hopefully uh, connect very soon. And as I've uh, said before, once lacrosse gets the green light from the WIAA, we're going to be on board providing uh, information and stats and and all kinds of good stuff as well. Uh, So looking forward to it. So, Rick, thanks uh, again. And as I said, I'm sure we'll be uh, chatting down the road. All right. Thanks again, Travis. I appreciate the opportunity. He is Rick Diedrich uh, covering high school lacrosse for Wisconsin High School Lacks social media channels. You can check him out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter as well. Uh, so make sure you check that out. So even though lacrosse is not an official WIAA sport yet, we're heading in that direction. There have been a number of updates from the WIAA and the committee that is uh, putting together the proposal for that. So Wanted to get a chance to to learn a little bit more about lacrosse right now. And again, thank you to Rick Diedrich for coming on and uh, giving us an update on where things stand with high school lacrosse in Wisconsin as of right now. Let's help save lives on Wisconsin roads. The life you save might just be yours. Make the commitment to yourself and passengers that are with you by buckling up and putting the phone down every trip, every time. To find out more, take the pledge at wisconsindot.gov. Well, let's move into talking about high school football, and we're going to spend most of the time talking about high school football playoffs. We're not going to do a whole lot in terms of week eight preview because, number one, you can read it on wisports.net Thursday and Friday, but also uh, a lot of the focus is on the playoffs, and we put out that big uh, projected football playoff qualifying field article on WSN earlier this week. Got big traction, big attention. And uh, let's just take a moment to kind of break that down and uh, unpack some of the items from there. And let's start with just the, the, the process itself, the playoff qualifying process for high school football. In 11-player football and in 8-player football, not everyone makes the playoffs. There are roughly 360 teams playing 11-player football this year, there are 224 teams that make the playoffs. And how you qualify is based on your conference record. If you finish above 500 in conference, 4-3 and three or better, you're guaranteed a spot in the playoffs. And as of right now, uh, based on our projections, we had 186 teams finishing at conference uh, with a conference record of 500 or better, or, or excuse me, better than 500, uh, with those at uh, at four and three in conference or better. So obviously there's a difference between 224 qualifiers and 186 teams finishing above 500, which means that we've got to go down and take some additional teams. The first one 
Because there is an odd number of teams in the state this year, there is one conference that has an odd number of teams that is not paired with another conference. And that is the Lakeland Conference. So teams will only play six conference uh, games in the Lakeland. We project Hurley out of the Lakeland Conference to finish three and three, three and three in league play. So they would get in next, which gives us 187 teams into the playoffs. That leaves 37 spots for teams that finish under 500 in conference. 44 teams we project finishing three and four in conference. So 44 teams, 37 spots, lots and lots of tiebreakers from there. The idea, the fact of teams finishing under 500 and getting into the playoffs was completely foreign until about a decade ago. I think it was 2012 was the first year. Uh, and remember, this was you know, before eight-player took off, and there were quite a few more teams. There was 100, 100, 425 teams back then um, that uh, we, we looked at it and said, you know what, there might be not enough teams to fill 224 spots that finish 500 or better. And that was the first year that they had to take teams that finished under 500. Uh, and since then, almost every year, and certainly the last few years, there have been teams under 500 in conference that make the playoffs. So I broke it down in our article. I, I, I'm not going to go through all of the steps and all of the tiebreaker criteria, but the long and short of it is the better you do, the, the, the better wins that you have, the better chance that you're going to get in via a tiebreaker. So that helped us put together 224 teams. Now here's where another interesting part comes in. The 224 teams are broken into seven equal divisions of 32 teams in each division by enrollment. The teams are, are sorted, ranked by enrollment, largest to smallest. Now, every year, there are instances where teams uh, tie on a cut line. It's very common. It might not be every year, but it's, it's very common. And if that happens, you have to figure out, well, who goes up, who goes down, uh, a note that all sports, including football, the enrollment figure used for divisional placement this year is actually the enrollment number taken at that school and reported to DPI on the third Friday of September in 2021. So yes, they used technically last year's enrollment numbers <coughs> excuse me, to put together the playoff divisional placements for this year. The reason they do that is obviously if you waited until September 20th or whatever it is to put together enrollment uh, enrollments and divisional placements this year <clears throat> for fall sports, you don't know what division you're in for pretty much the entire regular season. For basketball and winter sports, you don't know until you know into September, and people like to know. So, um, so they actually use last year's enrollment. In football, if there is a tie, the tiebreaker is the actual third Friday in September 2022 enrollment figure. When we did our projections on Wisports.net earlier this week, we did not know the tiebreaker number, and there were a few teams that were tied on the cut lines that we projected. Most notably, on the D1, D2 cut line, there were three teams tied with an enrollment of 1336. Badger, Wanakee, and Brookfield East. Uh, according to our projections, two of them would have needed to go up to Division One. One of them would have stayed down 
in Division 2. How do you figure that? Again, you look at the tiebreaker, the actual third Friday in September 2022 number. We did not know that earlier this week. We did not know that those teams were going to be close to the cut line. We have gotten those numbers. And using our projections, actually, Brookfield East has the largest tiebreaker, then it's Badger, and then Wanakee has the smallest tiebreaker of those schools. That only comes into play if those teams tie on a cut line, on the Division I and II cut line. So in that scenario, in our projections, Brookfield East and Badger would go up to Division I and Wanakee would go down to Division II. It's still noteworthy because Wanakee, the defending Division II state champion, a Division II powerhouse for years, is very, very close and has a chance to go up to Division I. If that were to happen, it creates a domino effect, a cascading effect that impacts Division I and Division II, certainly. If they were to go up to Division II, it really opens things up in Division II. They have dominated the coaches' poll all year. They have already beaten the second-ranked team in the coaches' poll, Sun Prairie East, um, and, and have looked very good doing so, obviously. So if they're out of D2, that opens things up. And Sun Prairie East might become the, the favorite in Division II. If Wanakee goes to Division I, that's another very strong team in that Division I field. Sets up some uh, you know, interesting possibilities down the road. Maybe a Wanakee-Verona playoff game. Maybe wanakee Muskego, wanakee um, Maguanago, Wanakee, you name it, in Division I, which would be really, really interesting and compelling to see those kinds of matchups. So that's a big story, and that might be the, the biggest story that we're following into the, uh, into the playoffs as far as cut lines. Wanakee, the possibility of the Warriors going up to Division I. Now, again, now that we know the tiebreaker numbers, and they have the lowest tiebreaker number of, uh, of those three teams, it is more likely than maybe what we thought before that they'll stay in Division II. When, when we were looking at this before, and I, I would have thought that Wanakee's enrollment would have continued to increase, that they would have been bigger than 1336. I would have thought there was probably a 60 or 70% chance Wanakee would have went up to Division I. Now, knowing that they have the smallest tiebreaker number, that their enrollment decreased slightly from uh, the previous year, I'd say there's maybe a 25 or 30% chance that they go up to Division I. And it will be impacted by the teams that actually make the playoffs and how many larger schools get in and how many you know that we might have thought would get in don't get in where you have to creep that cut line down to take more teams into Division I. But it certainly is a big, uh, big topic in talking to some other coaches in that Division II field. They're just fine if Wanakee were to go up to Division I. Uh, as I posted on Twitter, that sound that you heard was D2 coaches cheering that Wanakee might go up to Division I. So that's one of the notable ones. There's also a few others. Uh, I posted them on Twitter. In our projections, the only other one that we had tying was uh, GET and Wrightstown um, on a D4, D5 cut line. Uh, but also noteworthy, the... Uh, Manasha and Onalaska, or excuse me, uh, uh, Manasha we had as the smallest team in Division Two, which is where they have been at other years in the past. But then Onalaska being the largest team in Division Three, tied with Greendale. So 
if it comes down to it, Greendale has a larger in, uh, tiebreaker than Onalaska if they tied on the cut line. But it does mean that Onalaska is very close to going up to Division Two, which would change the dynamics in Division Two a little bit. It would change certainly the dynamics in Division Three, where they're second ranked. Um, but also Manasha is in the top three, and they're right on that cut line. So where Manasha and Onalaska end up will have a significant bearing on who the favorites are in D2 and D3, who might make the playoffs, uh, excuse me, who might win state championships in Division 2 and Division 3. Um, a little bit farther down the line, we thought that the Division 7 cut line, the 6-7 cut line would be such that Coleman, who was the runner-up in D6 last year, would likely be Division 7 this year, and there's still a, a, a decent chance they would. But in our projections, because there's more teams that have left D7 to go to 8-player, that D6-7 cut line keeps creeping up to where now Coleman at 221, we had as the largest school in Division 7. But again, very much up in the air based on what teams actually get in. All of that information can be found on our projected playoff field article on wisports.net. 10,000 of you have already checked that out. Very popular feature on WSN as people want to see where they might be, if we have them in the field, what division they might fall into, what are some of the cut line stories, all those good things. So we will redo that after week eight. So we'll take the actual results of week eight, do our projections for winners and losers of week nine, and redo that projected playoff field to see what kind of changes here or there there might be. Again, projected, unofficial, but it does give us a pretty good idea on where cut lines might be. I don't think we've ever gotten it 100% right, but it's usually within a team or two of what our projections show. The other uh, significant piece of information this week regarding high school football playoffs is the, uh, the official release of the official information about the football reveal show that WIAA will be doing Saturday, October 15th, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. on Valley Sports, Wisconsin. And can happily uh, confirm my involvement in that. Jay Wilson, a longtime Madison uh, TV sports person, will be the host. I'll be in studio as a guest providing analyst, uh, analysis and uh, you know just kind of what some of this means and some of the some of the matchups to keep an eye on, some of the potential matchups, just breaking things down a little bit uh, as part of that show as well. Other guests are expected to join, potentially WI Associate Director Tom Shafransky, maybe some others uh, checking in as well. Uh, that will air again 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. on Valley Sports Wisconsin. Certainly no one understand that uh, because of carriage disputes that Valley Sports is not on everybody's cable package or streaming package. Uh, it does require either obviously watching it on, on air or having authentication through an app. Um, hopefully you can find a way, and, and I, I think many teams are planning on doing a watch party, which is something the WIAA and the WFCA are encouraging to do a watch party. And you know you can, you can post on social media with the, the hashtags WIAAFB and WISFB. Uh, some of your pictures or videos from those uh, watch parties to find as you find out if your team is in, if they're out, what your matchup is going to be. Uh, so it should be a pretty cool uh, thing seeing some of those parties and celebrations as teams make it in and find out uh, what's going to be going on. 
no need to fret if you do not get the show or if you miss it, if you have youth football, if you have whatever it might be. Uh, the brackets, the playoff qualifying field, all of the information will be posted shortly after the completion of the show on the WIAA website, as it traditionally is. So you'll, you'll certainly still be able to find the information there. It will be a little different process and timeline. There will not be, Friday night, a release of the official playoff qualifying field. There will not be a release of the brackets. There will not be a release of the seeds on Friday night officially. That will all come initially released on Saturday during the uh, during the show. A little bit different. Um, does mean that we won't have to stay up until 1, 2, 3 in the morning waiting for that information uh, so coaches can get to bed a little bit easier. And then by 11 o'clock, they'll know. They'll know who they're playing, where they're playing, all that good stuff. So should be uh, should be a good day. Uh, really looking forward to it. Uh, very honored and excited that the WIAA asked me to be involved. And uh, looking forward to uh, a good day. Uh, just a- another way to highlight and promote high school football, make a bigger deal, to be honest with you, out of this playoff football release. Um, along with that, because I'm involved with the show and don't want to spoil something that I'm involved with, uh, I will not be doing a projected playoff field on Friday night, as we have done for 15 plus years, uh, where we break it down and post the the uh, the field before the WIAA does. We'll not be doing that. Um, not upset that I don't have to run through all those tiebreakers, to be honest with you, uh, especially as many as there are now with 44 teams tying for 37 spots in our projections. It was a lot of math. It was a lot of spreadsheet work, and it was a lot of time, to be quite honest with you, to uh, to work through all of that. So um, not upset about that part. I am going to miss kind of that excitement level of, you know, all right, who's in? What are the cut lines? Where are they at? Uh, that's always kind of fun to break it down. And um, along with that, we will not be doing a Facebook Live event on Friday night. We don't have the the breakdown and release to kind of go through on that. Um, we have some other stuff going on with our Quick Trip in Wisconsin Dairy Game of the Week. Uh, so I'm going to go. We're going to have it as a, a regular Friday night as far as that goes. Uh, we'll have the Quick Trip in Wisconsin Dairy uh, Game of the Week poll out early in the week. Uh, that's a game I'll go to Friday night. Certainly, there's going to be some things that happen. You know, this team will win and get in that that are going to be noteworthy. Uh, our WSN staff, uh, including Colton Wilson, will be doing some updates from the WSN Twitter account on some of those items, um, and then obviously, you know, we'll wait and and I'll get to the studio Saturday morning, do the release show, and then uh, get into some of our other content. We're preliminarily planning on doing a Facebook Live event Saturday night the Saturday, uh, the 15th, uh, later on to, uh, to kind of break things down a little bit more, right? Spend some more time, um, looking at and digesting the playoff field and the matchups and the brackets. Uh, we'll have a chance to interact and and take some questions on, you know, whatever is on your mind. That was always one of the great things. I, I loved that Facebook live event for the interaction and the community aspect of it. And so many coaches would, would put it on while they were at their victory party or waiting around for the brackets. I know, um, and going to miss that part of it. Sorry, sorry to the coaches and, and people that, that enjoyed that, but we will do something on Saturday night, um, more information to be determined. And then of course we'll have our football, uh, playoff previews that will start coming out 
probably on Sunday, where we'll you know break down each division with um, you know some of the more interesting matchups, some of the players to watch, some of the interesting potential games down the road. There'll still be all of that stuff coming out later in the week. You will be uh, you'll be inundated with playoff football playoff information after that. Uh, if you haven't already. It's going to be a great time to get a WSN Extra subscription so that you can get all of that information, all of that uh, playoff preview information, and the information that Mark Miller and Norbert Durst are starting to put out for basketball previews. Uh, No better time, if you have not yet, than to get a WSN Extra subscription and get that going and have that ready so you can get all that information as soon as it becomes available. So again, Saturday, October 15th, Valley Sports, Wisconsin, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m., Yours truly, Travis Wilson, in studio providing an analysis and commentary on the brackets with host Jay Wilson, other guests involved as well, and looking forward to a real cool opportunity to uh, to further promote high school football and fly the flag a little bit for WSN. Uh, quick trip in Wisconsin Dairy Game of the Week this week. I want to take a chance to highlight that, and that will be Belleville at Darlington. Both teams undefeated in the uh, In the Swall, Darlington's got one non-conference loss early in the year to St. Mary Springs, a very competitive, close game on a Saturday back in, might have been week two. Um, so a great matchup in the Swall. Looking forward to getting down to Darlington. The last game I saw at Darlington was an afternoon game, way back when Darlington still played those afternoon games. I've seen them a number of times since, <coughs> excuse me, at the state tournament. I think I've seen them once or twice in a, a level four game. Um, at a neutral site as well, but uh, first time in Darlington since an afternoon game a number of years ago. Belleville really can throw the ball around the yard. Uh, their, their passing attack, Aiden Keys, leads the state in passing yards and I believe passing touchdowns now as well. Really, really talented trio of receivers, Demarcus Connor, Andrew Ace, and Caden Desmet. And really impressive what they've been able to do this year. They lost their quarterback and, and top receiver from last year and are just chugging along. Uh, head coach Mike Nolvin doing a, a great job uh, with them. But their defense has been very good as well. Travis Winkers, the Darlington head coach, mentioned it to me when I talked to him for our Game of the Week article uh, that you know their defense is really underrated. They've only really allowed one touchdown all year, uh, their defense has. So... Uh, a, a very, very good team. And Darlington, you know, they're they're running the football. They're back to doing that at a high level, averaging over 300 yards a game. They're undefeated in conference play. Belleville's undefeated overall. Should be a great game there for the Wisconsin Dairy and Quick Trip Game of the Week. Our other nominees of note uh, had a chance to stay a little closer to home. It's going to be about an hour and a half trip to Darlington, which will be my shortest trip of this year for the uh, Wisconsin for the Quick Trip and Wisconsin Dairy Game of the Week. Um I'm averaging about two and a half hours so far, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll take it. But could have been a really short trip as one of the other nominees, the game that finished second in the voting, Adams Friendship at Wisconsin Dells. Both those teams undefeated in the South Central Conference. Adams Friendship, very, very impressive last week in defeating what had been third-ranked in Division Five Broadhead Judah. So this one's for the uh, essentially control and, and likely a conference championship in the South Central Conference. Big one up in the uh, in the Packerland Conference. Kiwani is at Southern Door. Again, both undefeated in conference play. Even though Kimberly lost last week and you know maybe a little bloom off the rose on, on this one, uh, the Papermakers take on Nina this week. 
Uh, Nina's undefeated. Kimberly's coming off that loss to Fond du Lac last week. And, uh, and you know, it should be a great, great game in the FBA. The other nominee this week was Medford at Mozanie. Again, both, uh, both undefeated in conference, both looking for a conference title up there in the Great Northern. You can check out the full Week 6 preview shortly at wisports.net. And, uh, or excuse me, week eight. I don't, maybe I've said week six before. We're, we're into week eight, Travis. Let's, let's move forward. Uh, week eight of the high school football season. Again, many conference titles still up for grabs. Many playoff spots still up for grabs. Many top seeds in the playoffs still up for grabs. So much still to play for for so many of these teams. Again, check it out all at wisports.net. Should be a daily destination for all of your high school sports needs. One more time, let's remind you to help save lives on Wisconsin roads. The life you save might just be yours. Make the commitment to yourself and passengers that are with you by buckling up and putting the phone down every trip, every time. To find out more, take the pledge at wisconsindot.gov. Well, that will do it for this week's WSN podcast. Make sure you get out to a game, support those teams. Be sure to stay tuned and, and check out our uh, our preview excuse me our uh, our playoff reveal show not our but the the one i'm involved with the wis playoff reveal show next saturday on valley sports wisconsin should be a good time but until then i am travis wilson this has been a wsn podcast we'll see you at a game